0: December 12th, 2004, it's a Watt from Pedro show. What for, Beedro Show? Why do they fade out like that? I mean, it's a live thing. That's uh, John Coltrane with Eric Dolphy doing uh, Mr. P.C. A song John Coltrane wrote for uh, a very great bass player, Mr. Paul Chambers, and of course Mr. Eric Dolphy alongside him, and of course back in in the rhythm section, Coy Tiner. Jimmy Garrison, and Alvin Jones. It's uh, December 12, 2004, my first uh, radio show since coming back from my uh, 53rd tour. Uh, Got Tone just whispering in the background, so he blew his intro, but my guest today joining me and Brother Matt at the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point, somewhere north of the equator, west of the Rockies. Mr. Tony Platt. Hello. Talking the mic. Speaking to the microphone.
1: Speaking to the microphone. How you doing out there? <laughs> yeah.
0: And along with him, for the first time, because Tone's been on before, this is his second time. But for first time it's Mr. Joe Boone. Hi Joe. Hello. Hi Mike. Hi everybody out there. So yeah, you gotta turn the mic so Tone gets some too. <laughs> don't don't rattle. Don't don't rattle it like that. Yeah. <laughs> or you rattle if you want. It's Watt from Pedro show. Lots of chaos. Uh, thank you gentlemen for coming by. Later with Brother Matt and the Spin Cycle, you're gonna collaborate on some freeform jams. Joe on the Bongo. Tone on the guitar. Tony you just got a new guitar?
1: Yes. I brought it home uh I guess was it yesterday evening or what no yesterday was that Friday evening, uh little Gibson Dobro guitar I picked up the other day. And you like it, but you didn't bring it. You brought a Strat. I brought a a Strat with a little history behind it. Just, I guess we can talk about Talk we'll, about it. I'll we'll, we'll talk about that Stratocaster. It's a it's a 69 reissue. Um, I picked it up at a guitar shop, I guess, 90, about 94. And um, it's kind of cool because uh, it, it was autographed by Bill Nelson of Bebop Deluxe. Me and Wa- went walking down... Sunset Boulevard, and I was carrying the Stratocaster in my hand to Tower Records, and Bill Nelson was doing it in-store. And lots of dudes from Pedro were there, and he was just up there doing a gig with recorded tapes and just him on guitar and got him to sign the guitar. And uh, he was signing everybody's everything on Rare Records and whatnot, but I was the only guy in there with a guitar looking kind of stupid. But he said he'd never signed a Stratocaster before, so I guess maybe I got the the privilege of the first thing. But the
0: thing about it is this Strat... Although it was signed, you ain't going to see it because Tone switched pick guards, switched right? Pick so guards it don't get all worn ago. off.
1: Yeah. Well, it suggested a little... Uh, it was getting rubbed off. Yeah, my name got rubbed up, but his name, the date, and the signature and all that are still there. Just
0: and uh,
1: working with the Internet, I found
0: current information because, I mean, we were young men when we were in the Bebop Deluxe. But there's BillNelson.com, and there's... a billnelson.co.uk two websites that have lots of stuff on them. In fact, uh, we found out he wrote a 600 page plus autobiography.
1: He writes every day like, you know, insane, right? How many, what does he write a day you're saying? Like yeah, he pages? wails.
0: His tour diaries up there and,
1: oh man, it's meticulous. And so he's got at least 50 records out. I'm sure it's more than that now and I, I read somewhere where he says he can pen and write and record a whole album in less than two hours. He said uh-huh. he's gotten so Prolific, yeah. Tone
0: really liked Axe Victim.
1: I remember that. Which was that. probably his least favorite from what I read. He it's it his
0: first. It's actually his second because yeah. Smile
1: was the first. But now as I go on, I, I kind of lean a little towards some other, you know, maybe a little more Sunburst Finish, maybe Futurama a little more. But actually, I think. But there's a lot of
0: again, lead guitar on that yeah. first
1: one. Those first four records actually are all pretty. But not like the first one. What's the first one is, is, is The Jam. You and Joe liked him before. I, I, I wasn't into him at first. Yeah, Joe liked them. Where'd
0: you find out about him, Joe?
2: Um, from you,
1: yeah.
0: In those days, the magazine was cream. Yeah, that's and that's so how we is. found out about a lot of stuff.
2: And that and, uh, back in the old days, when KNAC was a decent radio station, that's right. Yeah, there's a st- K- Long Beach station that would play. Camey uh, mm-hmm. K- came K- was good. Of- they p- they would play album. No rock playlist. As
0: well. well, they moved to playlist. Brother Matt ended up working for those yeah, clowns. Yeah, the surf reports
1: there for a while. Rock and rhythm days. With KNAC. Yeah. All right. It was a
0: little bit later. But K-Met too, right? Yeah.
2: Uh, he said they're programming it, but they had an import show on Sundays. Oh Saturdays, yeah, but that's, that's before. But by, by the time by Lada Brother
0: Lada Matt got though. there, it was some central planning thing, right? Yeah, uh, stuff out of the computer. Yeah. Yeah.
1: KNC was the only guys playing Blue Voice for
2: Cult, so. right? Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, and then, and then, and then they was, d- the KNC would do live broadcasts from Long Beach Auditorium and Arena. Right. Gigs, yeah, the yeah. Kiss and the T Rex. We heard Kiss, and and we saw Kiss before
2: they had Kiss. an album out. Right. Yeah, that was on in concert though. Yeah but, but we heard would, him. we heard him on KNC. They also played on KNC
0: yeah. opening for Savoy Brown. No no
2: no no it was it was, it was, a, it was a, there's a TV show called In Concert on Channel 7 and it was on like once a month. It's KBC. Yeah, it's KBC Channel 7. Um and uh and there were, at first, the, the show started out where they would have concerts once a month, and then uh, on Fridays, it was so Fridays at 11.30, and it was simulcast on KLOS, and then yeah. they did the California Jam. They did, like, a lot of different shows. We saw Monte Hoople, David Bowie's film, um, a, lot, a lot of different shows, uh, but then... Um, Coop. But the, Alice Cooper, yeah, the controversial uh, thing where the dude hung himself. But then, um, but then, like, as time went by, the show got more popular, and uh, it, it became like a weekly thing. Yeah. And then it just kind of, you know, tanked.
0: Yeah, and then it was kind of like, mm. but it was good. Better version of Don Kirshner because uh, you didn't have live. a cornball. Yeah. Um, well, Don Kirshner was live, but they would do several takes.
2: Yeah, this was. But well, like, this
0: was like a gig.
2: Yeah, with black Oak and, and you didn't have
0: a corny host.
1: Yeah. Don didn't his son take over?
0: <laughs> I remember he introduced. Yes. In fact, I remember we were at. This is the Grand Twenty Second and Grand. And dust just came out. We didn't really know what it was, and we bonged dust and saw Neil, uh, <laughs> uh, what's his name, uh, Don Kirshner's son, introduced. Yeah. Yes, and he talked just like his pop. It was uh. bizarre.
1: <laughs> Had the great accent.
0: You know, yeah. Don Kirsten, He created um, the
2: monkeys. Right. Yeah. 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 No, uh, there's another station changing the subject. Sort of. Uh, remember K Day? Absolutely. They, they, were, they, they were like they were like a, an AM uh, album rock album or, or station as well.
0: Yeah, they did. Uh. Rock and roll, and then they moved over to uh, so, R&B, R&B yeah. and then hip-hop, and they were doing live jams. I was working across the street from the station in Crenshaw. Mm. They had speakers right over the sidewalk, and they were doing live uh, scratching and this stuff. There's no other station doing that. Right. So you where you had and... original works. I mean, you had guys creating right there. You didn't have that really going on in radio. Yeah. But the early seventies, yeah, FM radio was much more open. And...
2: W- but really, really, the the most influential uh, music place for all of us was um Chuck's Sound of Music, and then later Redwood Records. Well, that was the record Peter. store in Peter. Redwood Records. I mean, because you go well, Chuck's in, Chuck was more than records. Something. chuck he was always, chuck, yeah, he Ch- always was more than records. though. it was
0: also instruments. Sorry. Yeah
1: we all took lessons
2: right
0: we took lessons or, there you know. well roy, kind of hey, boy. it was roy mendez lopez i mm-hmm. had some
1: old cowboy with a hump on his back teaching me Yeah, it
0: was roy mendez lopez and he was like kind of beyond chucks he was on his own he's living in his car making his he's own. very clothes. influential person on yeah. us built his own guitars yeah and and he had philosophical money. man and, and
2: back in those days like album covers like stood out you know like the the guy in the record store would be you know, playing something and you'd say, wow, this looks good and it's, you know, it sounds good or they'd p- play it for you. A lot, lot, lot different than like nowadays where you have to like, you know, go online and listen to a, you know, some canned sample. Redwoods was right down the street. Do you remember yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah. My f- yeah, Mark, the guy that
1: drove his car off the cliff, his great, cousin owned it. Great bootlegs at that place.
2: You Are you talking about Christensen? Yeah, Mark, Mark Christensen? yeah we had Mark a friend,
1: of, well, yeah, a friend of mine. His, um, a cousin owned that record store, but it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. yeah, so there wasn't a lot of avenues to get music infos. Except, yeah, cream. So it was pretty limited in those days. So the stuff we found was almost all major label. We didn't know about any kind of independent thing. Although we found out later Bill Nelson's first album actually was an independent record, like two or three hundred were pressed.
1: And somebody up there at the signing had it, right? And he said yeah. it's a real rare record. No. Yeah, the
0: original ones. There was only two or three hundred. But there actually was that scene, but it was very small, and we weren't aware of it all as boys. In fact, in the '60s, there was all kinds of little labels. You know, I found out oh. later through yeah, punk and stuff that it, there was a whole independent scene in the '60s. It was mainly around 45s and right. seven inches. Oh, oh, tons wow. of garage bands and stuff, but we had no clue because Pedro kind of a backwater, and you know. If we weren't getting the info from Cream, where were we going to get it? Rolling Stone circus. and Dave.
2: <laughs> what was, what's the name of the uh, the record label? The guy, I think he just died, but he put out that box set called Nuggets. Yeah, and
0: Pebbles, Nuggets. Pe- he put out several things. His name was Greg Shaw, and he had a, a label called Bomp.
2: Bomp, yeah, that's it. And yeah. they
0: reissued a lot of this stuff that happened in the 60s, the but we weren't aware of that as kids.
2: and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. we weren't aware
0: of any of that all we knew and so what we would do is try to look for more obscure major label stuff and the album covers were so right, stuff like, like blue oyster saying. cold and yeah. bebop and roxy they weren't really uh known by other people so to us they were kind of obscure but they were still major label and stuff it was nothing yeah. like uh we just didn't know there wasn't really a heavy fanzine scene there was no web right I mean, we you just say had the import
2: show. The import show was on, yeah. like, Kaney and But even that
0: import show, people. yeah, that was some neat stuff from Europe. Right. In fact, you've got to watch... Uh, so, uh, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, it's the old foot. That was one of the avenues which I had when I started college to find out about punk because these stores that imported that hippie, spacey music were the first ones to bring over the punk records because they had connects with the small labels in Europe and England. Right. He said, they weren't going to... Carry that in the chain stores, you know. And then by that time, KNC or KMT, whatever these FM stations, they were very playlist oriented. Yeah. They didn't play any whack. Some of them had a couple of weird shows, like
1: uh, KLOS had the the headsets. Remember, they played like progressive, Pink Floyd, ELP, Genesis. But even that,
0: that's a huge but label. It, it was. I mean, KNC was- had a show where they would play bootlegs. Right. I think it was on Monday nights. They play like uh, Great White Wonder, Bob Dylan, or, or before Pink Floyd. i wish you were here. They had versions of those songs they were doing live, and they would play that from European bootlegs.
2: The screaming so, Abdab, I remember that one. Yeah, that Raven
0: and Drooling that that became that, okay. Sheep. You got So crazy. I heard it as it Raven and Drooly later. Yeah, and stuff. But I mean, when you look back on it, and the whole scheme of things, it still was just a, such a, a small dabbling. It was all controlled from the top up, you know. That's probably why punk had to come. It was really a really style of music. It was a way of trying to relearn because a lot of this did go on in the '60s. We're from a weird period in between, you know, yeah. '60s and '70s. Where our, our teen years are the '70s, so we're in this strange place where uh, rock became corporate. But then there was a hunger in a way to get back to the 60s or even before to get back to Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis and those kind of things and get back to simple rock and roll and simple ways of making music, simple ways of people finding out more direct, (coughs) less market-oriented stuff. But what could we do? You know, we were just boys. We didn't even know there was another way. It wasn't like we voted for the corporate thing. We just didn't even know, didn't even know. But I, when looking back now, though, and reading Cream, I think that was probably better way to get info than through the Rolling Stone. They, they, they seemed to be probing. They'd always have a column on, a, on England so you could tell what was coming out in England. Uh, they would have big things on Iggy and Lou Reed. Yeah,
2: they weren't genre specific. Where, where the uh, was other
0: stuff, if you weren't selling a whole bunch of records, they didn't write stories on you.
2: Yeah, where they covered Cream, everybody. Yeah, Cream, Roxy Music, because <coughs> of yes, Lester Bangs, I think
0: yeah. he was he, people that were interesting to him, he wrote about. It. He didn't really care about the sales as much, maybe, I don't know. And they'd have weird things like. Uh, Cream profile where they made fun of doers proof profile and the guy'd be. Ho- I, in fact, I have a boy handy can. Boy howdy. Boy howdy can. Uh, I was given one.
2: But is it real beer? That's what I want to know. Because I'd like a six pack. I'm serious. It's
0: kidney filtered.
2: <laughs> okay. It's piss, you huh?
0: <laughs> No, it's still beer. It's just been kidney filtered. Indeed. <laughs> Body temperature.
1: <It's> German, <laughs> Aren't you thirsty right? now? <laughs> Billy
0: beer? Billy beer? So, um, Joe... Willie beer, yeah. I got a can of Billy beer. It's not open. Yeah. Got on tour once. Um, you brought some music, Joe. Yeah. We're going to play a song from something you brought here. It's called... Uh, it's from a band called Random Hold. Tell us something Random about Random this. Random Hold.
2: It's um, a song called Avalanche, and um, this band opened up for Peter Gabriel like in, I don't know, mid-'80s when I saw him up in San Francisco. And, uh, you know... It, it just jams. I think you like it. It's got a great bass line and uh I I turn it up all the time.
0: Okay, so uh Random Hole,
2: A Wat from Pedro
0: Show. Pedro show here we go with some uh, Steve Morris with the song called user friendly
1: Tone you picked that one Pick that one i me of your friend John Rosenfelder Juan Rosenfelder of New York City fame I'm a big uh, Steve Morris fan and uh, gave me some tickets to see him up at the House of Blues And um,
0: here's the CD
1: Tone I had seen him once before opening for Rush a few years back is he
0: playing with the perp now
1: he, excuse me is he playing with what the perp i don't know
0: <laughs> yeah i heard blackmore like has his own thing oh, oh
1: excuse me okay yeah he's him and i guess even uh satriani uh, yeah they filled in for richie blackmore for deep purple and he also filled in for kansas and uh no but right now right currently now, yeah, yeah, i he's, think he's, he's with Deep the purple. purple's main guitar player and he does his own thing and uh i find uh, myself he's one of the I guess finer guitarists like out there I'm really into that kind yeah, of hard yeah. style he's one of your he's awesome. but he's also tasty not, not much singing in the band in fact I don't think they sing anything at all his
0: uh, band was Dixie Dregs right,
1: right. and uh, he's got uh, Dave LaRue playing bass okay he's one of my favorite bass players.
0: before that we had uh, My Banana by Dan Jones from his album One Man Submarine <laughs> Dan Jones from Portland no Eugene Oregon I'm sorry South of Portland No offense intended. And we started off the set with uh, Avalanche by Random Hold. Joe Boone, you picked that one? I sure did. Yeah, and you had some minutiae about Peter Gabriel. Oh,
2: the minutiae. Well, you know, they opened up for Peter Gabriel, and um, it was a really great show. It was at the San Francisco Civic, I think it was, back in the 80s sometime. And uh, I guess well, later... uh, uh, Peter Gabriel took the guitar player, David Rhodes, and so like he's been the guitar player ever since. So, Or Peter Gabriel's guitar player, I should say. But Random Hold is defunct at this point. But um, they do have some CDs that are available on Amazon. You'll never find them in the stores. But uh, it's, they have this a compilation, and it ha- pretty much has like their first two albums. It's really, really a good set. Worth getting. It's even, it even comes with uh, a live concert. So it's, it's definitely worthwhile. Uh, you never saw him again. Never saw him again, and uh, for years, I, I tried looking for um, uh, random hold CDs in stores online, and this was just recent, recently released, or, or I should say recently available on Amazon, maybe within like the past like year and a half or so. And uh, I was really excited when I saw it, and so I, I purchased it immediately.
0: What makes you like? something and not like something else joe boone
2: well i I like a lot of drums i like a lot of bass and i like something that uh, well you
0: should tell the folks you're a drummer
2: yeah i'm a drummer but I, i like something that's got like a lot of texture um i like i like uh i like a lot of different musics i like uh some eno uh you know things like that um music that uh creates an atmosphere uh but i also like stuff that just jams up flat so <laughs> but there are times you know i just have uh, i'm eclectic i guess i like a lot of different types of music world music um well it depends some world music is very interesting some is to me it's just repetitive but uh i don't know what can i say
0: you never really got into the club scene
2: yeah i never got into the club scene and and part of the reason why um air force well it was that was the air force it's not that i was ever like really a conservative person um, it's just, I remember going to, like, one of the Minutemen shows. The Mabuhay. Uh, Mabuhay. Uh, it was when I was in Air Force or whatever. And you were that, living it, in, uh, Milpitas or Mountain View, one of those yeah. places. Yeah, and we picked you up, Sunnyvale, we yeah, picked you, pick you up it. on the way. Yeah, well, I remember... Dropped you off on the way back. Yeah, I I just, I remember, like, going backstage, and I remember seeing some guy slamming. And, and uh, the guy looked like he was dying, you know? And <laughs> and I, I I guess at that point in time, I, you know, I just kind of... You know, I just realized that the, the scene wasn't for me. I mean, I love the tunes, I just didn't like the scene. You don't um, think
0: any of those arena rock people were doing well,
2: that. Are? Well, no, actually I no, no, I I did uh I did one time I went and I saw Journey in um Kansas and there was this big day on the Green Show at Oakland Stadium one time and uh, I saw a kid, he must have been like I don't know, 12, 13, but he was so ripped that he like fell down on, you know, the concrete steps or whatever and cracked his head open and then I you know at the t- at the time I was frying, <laughs> and uh it just it just affected me and so you know for like the longest period of time I just uh, held myself back from like you know getting involved in in like the music scene or like performing in front of people because I just I didn't want to be like playing the soundtrack to people's destruction now I know this is controversial but but it's, it's okay
0: just, Joe but you know it just kind of like
2: you. it kind of I just kind of had some like negative um feelings and I, I just didn't want to contribute to that but but now I'm open you know to like playing music and
0: I don't and, think you'd be contributing to somebody else's abuse
2: well I know but you know people use music as a soundtrack to their activities I know, and I that's just a didn't, I didn't want to, that.
0: that would yeah. turn you off so if,
2: if I was going to get involved in some kind of like music it would have to be something that was like uplifting and not you know you know I, I can't explain it
0: well I mean that had that happened in the club during a minute gig and we I can tell you, we weren't really into that. Yeah, I know you
2: weren't. (laughs) Yeah, I know you weren't, but, you know, I just...
0: You know what? You have some insights that most folks probably don't have that we can share here. Uh, What are your earliest uh, recollections of your brother playing guitar?
2: uh, Well, the earliest ones were, like, when we first started playing. Uh, My mom and... um, Well, my mom... uh, You know, we lived in the projects, and, you know, she was... um, you know, my brother Jim was in Vietnam, and and uh, you know we, the projects. You know, it's kind of like a rough place, um, and she was very eager to keep us busy. You know, and so you know she, she you know, she did, we didn't have a lot of money or anything like that, but she was eager to keep us busy. You know, keep us out of her hair, I guess, and and uh, and off the streets, and so. You know, she, uh, me, and Dennis. You know, we were like totally enamored by the Beatles. I mean, Dennis wanted to be John Lennon, and I wanted to be Ringo. But at first, you know, I kind of wanted to be a guitar player as well. And we went. We took uh, guitar lessons at this Odd Fellows Temple in Pedro. They had like an orchestra. Gaffey thing. and temp- yeah, yeah, and um, and so you know the whole the whole thing was they were going to teach you they taught us like Ramblin' Rose. I'm, I'm sure Dennis told you about this. Oh yeah, he told me it's the first tune. And then and then so once you got but you your mom played to, it too. He yeah, told she, well, she yeah. played steel guitar, and she was an artist as well. She used to like draw these like intense drawings on the Andy on the kitchen boom, table. And awesome, yeah. an artist. Yeah, so, yeah, so my our, my mother was like responsible for all of this. Huge
0: influence. Uh, me huge too. Influence.
2: And yeah, and so so you know so. You know, the whole thing was you had to learn how to play Ramblin' Rose, right? And then once you got good enough, then you could play in the orchestra when all the parents and the audience was there. It was kind of like a a really neat kind of scene, you know? Um, But then I didn't want to play guitar. I guess I was, like, too young, or it was just too complicated for me at the time, you know? And, um... And I really wanted to play drums and so you know, I just had to tap on tables for years until until um, then a snare drum. Until until with a I was book. in the sixth grade, my mom actually went out and bought me a blue snare from Chuck Sound of Music and a cymbal. And I and then so like in, in school I was like the little drummer boy for the Christmas uh um you know, whatever they call it, the assembly or whatever. And uh and so from that point on, I mean I need, I put like a little book a little remember those little war books that oh, Dennis yeah. would buy. i put that on the snare drum and i use that as my tom tom and so i, would, I kind get of like, a kick drum too. yeah i get like two different kind of tones and one symbol and so the tv so we would like stand like american woman and the tv underwater. stand was the symbol yeah I had. Had, and then we used like the symbol yeah the, and then there was that that thing that was like made of that metal thing that we hung <laughs> yeah. it was like a piece of metal that had a hole in it and we hung it and i would use that as like a thing to like bang bang right. and that was but, very well, sweet
0: I, my memories when i first met d boone and he was uh, playing he never played me any Beatles songs but he didn't really know neither did you know a lot about rock
2: yeah we did Mike sort of introduced us to like Jethro Tull and some of the other bands we, all, we, we knew about "Clear
0: Water" Revival he, you, that's the band that he really knew about he yeah, could yeah. play lots of the songs yeah Born on the Bayou off he knew the about albums that. he uh, and learned them off the album I guess that was part of Roy Mendes Lopez kind of way of showing you guitars hey listen to this guy play Right. So D Boone learned a lot of John Fogerty, uh-huh. oh and I God.
2: remember you uh, you turned me on to uh, uh, Led Zeppelin too. I think at uh, one time Alice Cooper. Alice, well, Alice Cooper, you know, because like I said, we you know, rec- and we got turned on to music by going to record stores and looking at what was on display, <laughs> and so like we would see these album covers and these posters and go, "Wow," you know, and we were, you know, we were just. Really but it, it blew my it mind when uh
0: D Boone did not know about Cream. He did not know about who. Right. Your pop was Wayne to Buck Owens.
2: Buck Owens, Hank Williams, all that <laughs> stuff, you know. We were like raised country or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I, I rebelled against it completely. I mean, oh, yeah. well, no, I, re- I knew about the Beatles. I knew about the Beatles. I mean, I, I had like the A tracks and I remember um I remember being like just so excited like uh when the movie Let It Be came out that I got like sick to my stomach when I was watching it, you know. I mean, we were, I was, we were just totally into the Beatles. I mean, I would listen to the Abbey Rhodes album like over and over again. What was an A track. And um,
0: well, that's why because they never. I remember ended, being
2: they? a little kid. I remember, I remember being a little kid and, and not knowing, not knowing that like a radio uh, was actually someone at the other end playing the stuff. And so I remember being a little kid and hearing Beatles music because my dad he like worked in a in like an auto repair place, uh, an auto electric repair place. And they the sold radios. like little radios and things like that. And so there was a radio that looked really shiny and bright and everything and real transistorized or whatever back then. And it was on and it was playing a Beatles song. And I liked it. And I said, I want that because, you know, I thought that if I had that, that I would hear that song over and over again, you know, that it would, that the music came from there, you know, and that wasn't broadcast. Right, so. It was in the machine. Yes. So I, you know, so, but the Beatles the were like the, big, the Beatles and, and my mom was like heavily into Elvis Presley, and so I remember like uh, in the early sixty or the mid sixties. I don't remember the exact date, but uh, uh, it was like uh, during Elvis's big comeback when he had the late sixties. When he had the TV show and he was like wearing the leather and everything. We had that A track and and me and Dennis and my mom and we we just loved that and we loved the Beatles.
0: Remember the so. first solo I heard him play was "American Woman." He li- liked playing that over and over. Well, we would
2: play all the songs over and over again. <laughs> Hours. When we found out about Smoke on the Water, it's like, oh, this is easy. And we would just play it over and over again. And then I would try, like, different fills and everything. And it was, like, you know, this complicated, like, thing, you know, when we were little. Because you just don't have the skill. Also, feel, you
0: know, uh, you know? Susie, Susie Q. He learned all Susie of Susie, Susie Q. Q. Born
2: on the Bayou. And now, see, this is what happened. This was, like, the major turning point in my um, my musical, uh, I don't want to say career, but uh, advancement, Experience. I guess. Experience. Experience was um there my brother was my other brother was married to a woman and uh you know uh in their family they had this it was like a cardboard drum set, remember? It was that like this gold thing? And so so I had been tapping on tables to, to uh wipe to, out <laughs> to wipe out or you know or, or, or to to just songs. And so and so I was, like, just begging – and I had the snare drum, but I was, like, begging my mother to, like, get me a drum set. And so, like, they had this, like, little – it was, like, this cardboard drum, drum set, but it was good. It had skins and it had cymbals and everything. And, and so, um, so they lent it to us. And, um, and so Dennis and I sat down, and he played Suzy Q or Born on the buyer. I can't remember. Maybe both of them. And I was able to, like I, – I, I, you know, I, I jammed on it. I did it, you know. And my mom's eyes just got, like, really big and, you know, because I was, I, I was able to, like, play this, these songs – she was just totally amazed by it, and so within like I'd say like maybe a year and a half or so, uh they bought me a drum set from Chuck sound of Music this is this red uh reveille, reveille. I think reveille drum set and uh, and that's how it really, pretty much all started, like uh in, in, upstairs in the bedroom, like me, Dennis and Mike and Moto and and yeah,
0: we got Danny Moto because he had a loud amp.
2: Yeah the he was amps the, he had were the really sound. little in yeah,
0: those yeah. days yeah. and he had like a big old one. Right. I mean, so that's how it all Kind of big. I mean, the, one speaker, five-inch speaker and a handle on it. But compared to our things, they were like three-inch speakers. You would have to put them on the dresser.
2: So you the sound
0: that. was all tight, we know, knew nothing about fuzz tones in this stuff. But
2: once we did once we got them because they were like these exotic tools yeah. that cost money, and so once Dennis got one, it was like, everything got loose fuzzed was fuzz, yeah. fuzz tones we didn 't know
0: for a long time, so there was no sustain and then the wow sounded like were expensive, boom would call them bells, it sounded like bells, right, yeah, because it sounded nothing like anybody playing on these records. <laughs> Yeah. You know, ching 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 ching. You know, no sustain. There was a pawn shop here on Sixth uh, Street, and that's where we got the guitars, really, because the Chuck Sound of Music ones were expensive. Yeah. And these were like fifteen dollar jobbies, and these were a couple hundred. The Fenders.
2: And then, and then also, so then I started taking lessons at uh, Chuck Sound of Music, and um, there was who was that cat? Uh, you know, I, I think I, I can't remember his name. I was name, trying to
0: think of him too. But he
2: he was he 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 was, a, he, was a, he was a big Ginger Baker fan, and he would go see the Cream like up at um, at the Whiskey and stuff like that. And he would just you know, and I'd bring him these Black Sabbath albums and say, you know, how do how do you play this? And he would just sit down and just say, it's just like this, you know, and um, you know. But the thing that I sort of regret about, I, I, maybe I regret it, I don't know. Um, but he taught me to play um, conventional grip or whatever, a classical yeah. grip. And I wish I would have learned how to play match grip, because you know my left hand is you know I, I I can't play match grip. I just I'm just I'm just not comfortable with it. I'm only comfortable with this classical style of like drumming. And but like I you think
0: that came from field drumming when you yeah had yeah. The but drummer. there's things that
2: I can't do on a kit because of that. And I I, I you know I just really need to sit down and, and just reteach myself really how to play match
1: grip. And Rush
2: did once. You know, because it, it just—it sort of affected me. But I'm still pretty quick. I can do like a lot of things with my left. But my left is, you know, it's just is hampered by this like this grip that he taught me. And yeah. uh, you know, I mean, you—I could jam on a snare like that. But like on a kit, where you just—I just can't pound away like I, like I should. Um,
0: we were talking about some recordings you say that are out there.
2: Which ones? Oh yeah, of Frog. Like, yeah, well, no no no! It was a band. It was called Old Man. Yeah, that's right. See, it's well, called it Old When I was in junior high Man. school, uh, we had a friend named Todd Apperson, Great great guy. Great friend of mine. Um, childhood friend. Still keep in touch with them. You know. Uh, um, great great guitar player. I mean, very very talented guy. You know. I mean. Uh, ve- I mean, very talented, and. Um, and we would jam. I mean, he was doing bebop deluxe and stuff like that at a very early age. I mean, he could like play the leads and just do the songs. He knew all the Bowie stuff. I mean, he was a great, great talented person. But we would like jam up in our and upstairs in this like in this room, and we recorded a bunch of stuff. And you know, all we had was like this little cheap monophonic tape, like Panasonic tape recorder the buttons. Like that, with the little <laughs> buttons or whatever. And um, we recorded this thing and. and the, you me- know, we the really transport
0: know. was mechanical. Like you actually yeah, had
2: to press engage the yeah. uh, engage the head to the tape and start the motor. But uh, <laughs> little mono mic, right? The condenser uh, mic right, right in the thing. And then you'd have to so like, you'd move have to that play back around. because otherwise it would just <laughs> you know you'd give this like noise. I remember recording off television. Well, yeah, we would do that at the in-concert show. We do that, like, a lot. And we would just was, like, put this thing in front of the television.
0: There would be we, a hum that was half as loud as the music. Right,
2: and that's how we learned the Kiss songs. Well, Kiss was on in concert. They didn't have on an on, album yet. They didn't even have an album yet. And so, we like, they played three songs, Black Diamond, Firehouse, and Nothing to Lose. And we learned well, we actually
0: didn't really know the names because they just played these They songs. just played them, yeah. Also, there was a live k broadcast one of their concerts. And we, we didn't that. know the names of some of those songs for a couple albums because they didn't come out till mm-hmm. like Dress to Kill* or something. No,
2: they, no, they they came out like as I remember. I would go to that warehouse and. Tour. No, she. That one didn't come. That song didn't come. Yeah, out so until, we like, never Fru knew Boms. what it was called right, for was all those just, years. It was so, just na nah, <laughs> nah, nah, That song, yeah, but <laughs> but so when we made these recordings with Todd and and, and everything. Um, uh, you know, we just had this, like, blue, like, indelible marker on this, like, blank cassette tape that we bought at, like, Radio Shack or Chuck's or whatever. And we just wrote, Old Man. And, that you know, we it wasn't the name of a band, but that's what we called it, Old Man or whatever. And um, and so, apparently, um, somebody got a hold of this, who or somebody, or when Dennis passed away, they raided his house and took all this stuff out. I don't know how it got he out there. He had it? Wow. Dennis, I think Dennis had a copy. Or I don't know how it got out there, but... Uh, but it's out. Maybe Richard Derrick did it, or he's in, uh, he has something to do with it, or whatever. But apparently, it's out there on CD, and you can like get it from some guy. I guess he's in Canada or something like that. But he's got a copy of this thing. It's available. I, so it's probably up on the net. Maybe yeah, corndogs.org. It's just that's got a lot of stuff. It's not on Corndog. It's not no. on Corndog. No. So I, you know, I don't know, but I know that some of the film footage from Brett's. Remember Brett's, uh, the Minutemen? from well, *The uh, Minutemen.
0: We're yeah, talking. That's, mu- that was this film, is much that more is on, before on, Minutemen. Is on this dogs is when Joe Road Boone, too. I think, is still in. I don't know if you know that. You know yeah, Brett, I think Brett, you're been still been in junior high. high school when you did this stuff.
2: Yeah, junior high. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Yeah. This is way before Minutemen. In fact, this is at the time when you didn't really write songs. Nobody wrote songs.
2: Well, we wrote that one We're together. trying. You know, the we're trying. The
0: future restated. We wrote that. But that's beginning of Minutemen. This stuff we're talking about. No, not pre-Minutemen. Not much more, within a year. This old yeah. man stuff is like old years.
2: Man. Before. was old man? it there's like Trog, and then and then, uh, Yeah, we're talking early '70s. Yeah, Mid yeah. You know,
0: '73, '74. Uh, I remember there was a time where you were kind of enamored with Frank Zappa lyrics, and like oh, yeah. one of the tunes on there's a takeoff on Trench.
2: Oh, trench mouth. Yeah, trench, or, or, or trench mouth. Yeah, but see then. But then entered like Tony Platin. To enter Tony Platton, and then we sort of got into the comedy rock where we would like rewrite songs. <laughs> right? This is like pre-Weird Al, Al Yankovic. I'm serious. Well, it's kind like, of Doctor
0: Demento, and yeah, but
2: right. many years. You know, I don't even think people were doing that on Doctor Doctor D back then.
0: I don't think we were listening to it yet.
2: Well, I mean, we would like rewrite songs. Like uh, they mm-hmm. did, like Lucky Man. Like it was called Fat Man. I want to get
1: to like You know,
2: but I mean, but these songs are like Lucky Man. It's, like, he was a fat man weighing tons by the score, all, all dressed in burlap, couldn't fit through the door. Ooh, it's terrible fat man he was. Or, or what about, what about um, instead it's of terrible. I'm eight, I'm eighteen, I'm fat man. Remember that one? Even bigger than Carnegie Hall. I'm fat man. Yeah. So. So like we we had like all these songs that we wrote. We did like BOC. We, write. we, we did like BOC rearrange. songs like in, instead of instead of Harvester of Eyes, it was Molester. There's one we did one to a BOC song about mo- farting. farting. Eating a Taco Bell. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Hot Rails to Hell. It's like eating a Taco yeah, Bell, was it adding called, a burrito. wasn't Hot Rails to Hell, yeah, it was called something else. Hold. Oh, God, don't you know? The smell of your farts can burn my nose <laughs> out. Yeah, yeah, I mean. What was it called? We did, a, it, was, it was called eating a Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had molester of ears, like molester of ears, that's me, <laughs> that's and I molest right. every year I see. When I look it's inside terrible. your ear, deep inside with a cauliflower but I think throat. that that's a little yeah. after.
0: This uh, this other jam that's out there, all I remember was the Stinkfoot,
2: Stinkfoot, mouth, whatever. Trench, yeah. oh, what, no! Wait, there was one that Mike Watt wrote. Okay, he wrote this, and I, I'm I'm serious. He wrote this one, and I remember it. It was called. Infected pastrami. That was like one of the songs. I was jamming on it, riffing on it. It it was was like, here's the lyrics. I still remember from like being a kid. It was like, run real fast, run to your mommy. Don't look behind you. It's infected pastrami. It's like sitting in the chair watching the TV. Oh my God! It's infected pastrami. I'm
0: serious. I remember that man. Yeah, I was just riffing. I remember the song like morphs into different things. It's like one big long song. That takes a little paths.
3: Yeah.
0: Diboons uh, playing lead guitar. Todd kind of ha- comes up with the chords. We follow him on the chords. Kind Todd
2: was a great guitar player. You know. I just. He was,
0: actually was in the Reactionaries for a gig. No one we knew was writing their own. Yeah, songs. but he was an
2: artist from the beginning. I mean, he was like always. I know, wrong.
0: but I'm just saying the culture, right? The best guys, the guy who could play Black Dog, the best. You know, nobody I was writing read. their own. Everything was emulation. That's
2: right. But that's a you know that's a, that's a it's a good place to start. Yeah,
0: but nowadays He's, I meet young people; they're writing songs right from the get go. Well, no, I, I, what I'm saying is, you admire somebody and then. Yeah, you know, but it's not all them. They're part of the culture change. The scene's different. Yeah. No one let us know, right? Because there was there was no club
2: scene. No, I know because there was a band like it was T- arena T- rock, T- Titanic. Like the local bands were like yeah. Titanic. And What were they doing? And, copying the, the wingtips songs and stuff like that. Yeah. And They were just copying yeah. songs. Yeah. Asphalt.
0: Every summer. Uh, first hour of the Pedro show. Um, De- December twelfth, two 2004 edition. St- uh, stay tight for hour two. December twelfth, two 2004. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show. Uh, pick it up where we left off. Joe, playing his young man. The oh, songs, yeah. the jams, Todd. D- the Boney. comedy
2: songs. Um, uh, we talked about Infectious astronomy right?
0: Right. Yeah. My great... <laughs> I was just riffing on a thing, okay. But it was instrumental because finally... I remember the only whole real song I wrote in those days as a kid was this song called Mr. Bass, King of Outer Space. Do you remember finding out about your brother being into punk? Do you remember the moment?
2: No, I, I certainly remember like the moment I learned that you got into it. I mean, we, I went over to your, you had like your little apartment on 18th, was it 18th? or and 22nd. Gaffey and 22nd, tw- yeah,
0: Between 21st 27th. and 22nd.
2: And um, a lot of, lot of moat. <laughs> and uh, you had like television. I think you had um, uh, Susie and the Banshees, I remember that. I remember uh, uh, Anarchy in the UK, the uh, the band, 45, pistols. 12-incher, the pistols. And then I remember The Clash. And I remember listening to it, I remember liking the clean, simple sound to it, but uh, for me, at the time, you know, I was just some like young surfer guy or wannabe, whatever kid, whatever. I, you know, and being into like Genesis or like you know Gabriel era Genesis and stuff like that, and prog rock or whatever, it, it it didn't agree with my sensibilities completely at the time. But there were some songs that I really liked, like I like Anarchy in the UK. Do you remember liked, uh, um, I'm so bored with the USA? I liked a lot of those things and liked all. Do you of remember Felder me and D. jamming
0: with Mark Weiswasser? I remember that. Because mm-hmm. that's kind of a little in between. And I remember period. the jam.
2: We were, uh, yeah. we were totally into the jam, and actually, like every once in a while. Well, you and I had a band with, uh, with Todd um, uh, called The Tripped with that girl, Frances. Uh, you remember Frances that? Frances Boo. Frances Boo, you remember that? Well, and we would like do jam stuff and we'd do television stuff. And I saw her and in we continued- Lawrence or Omaha. Oh, it was
0: somewhere either Kansas or Nebraska. I saw her on a tour.
2: Oh, she's in the audience? Interesting. Yeah,
0: she came to a show. And- well, that's interesting. A few um, years ago, I hadn't seen her for years.
2: Right,
0: but yeah, I remember the. T- I mean, but the we, trip we never to... did gigs or anything. We it never yeah, jammed. Yeah, it was just in
2: her garage, and, uh, but, but the jamming sessions that, like uh, came out of that. I mean, we, we transferred over to like the the jamming sessions in, in Fort MacArthur. You know, where where play, we played with
0: Mark Wise. And then I have
2: my, my little kit, and I I play the songs and everything, and
0: and Mark uh, had this band called Starstruck that me and D Boone played in. And we were copying Queen and. and King. you guys did like bar
2: mitzvahs or something like we that? We did
0: Richie Weiss yeah. bar mitzvah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I was, but
2: that was a, that was a very. I was fifteen. That, see, I got was,
0: a picture of that. Well, not Mark that. that. No, it
2: was like when I was second like round. Uh, I was seventeen. So you you were like a three years older.
0: Not that gig. Oh, maybe not that gig. Because Mark sent me a picture of it. I have a big fro. <laughs> yeah, but, but you guys did.
2: It's right. so in 1973. Gig at the Jetty, I'm 15. You guys did yeah. A big Jetty.
0: That's the first year of high school. We're 10th graders. Right, yeah. So I think you're a 9th grader.
2: Yeah, I know. Yeah, I wasn't like. I was like, too shy to perform and stuff like that. And I wasn't like into those right, at right. that point. Um, but I remember, like, we had some of those jam songs down, like uh, in the city. We had those down. I mean, I, I could play that one. like... Again, like, we were like, still copying. We could not wrestle ourselves from that culture.
0: I mean, it's just all practice. Oh yeah, I mean, anytime you play, it's an investment yeah. in your thing. But
2: that was like that was sort of a tough period for me, you know.
0: Yeah, so well, your mom died. My mom that was, was tough for to all me. of us because she was such and, uh, a pillar. Dad
2: had like bailed to uh, wherever he went, and uh, that's why I joined the air force because I just freaked out. I didn't know what I else. D Boone do.
0: tried to join the navy. Yeah. But his eyes were. Yeah.
2: Too bad. So, but. Uh, yeah, and that's the real reason why – I one of the main reasons why I didn't go into a, in, into, in, into, in, into, the band thing or the, the scene thing or whatever was uh, – But
0: you actually I, saw early Minutemen gigs in San Francisco, a lot of folks.
2: Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't well, say that, so But that I, was But, neat. you know, listening to you guys, like, jam all the time and listening to the tapes, like, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, you didn't have to, like, go see you guys live. I mean, I grew up with you. I knew the songs. <laughs> I heard the stuff. It's – and and you were you were like a stern taskmaster. I taskmaster. I remember that. But uh, but yeah, those are those are some fun times, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah they were trippy times. But, but but George Hurley, we end up playing with on drums, and yeah, part of the big reason for that was he had a place we could play. That was a hard deal with us. Remember living yeah. in apartments with drummers.
2: Yeah. And also I was kind of flaky because I was always like, you know, out chasing the girls and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> it's just a little too much moat as well. No, no, no you lived no, with no time, some girl. No time for jam. Yeah, well, that was after my mom passed away. My dad kicked me yeah, out. Yeah, well, this is the period we're 14 and a half. My dad kicked me out and I had to live with, um, so, with uh, Janet McWilliams and uh, her parents. I lived there for like six months maybe. Maybe it was like a year or something. Yeah, like that. it
0: was like, was like a year.
2: And then my, um, my dad married some Mormon woman. And she wouldn't marry him unless her, my dad's kids were back at home. Marie was her name. Yeah, everybody remembers that. And, um, you know, that didn't work out for my dad, I guess. But uh, it wasn't really working out for me and Dennis either. But, I mean, I got through high school, luckily. Yeah. So, I mean, all,
0: road, all roads lead to today. Indeed. So wherever we came from, you know. So, but, yeah, that's it's a different right.
2: sad story. So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but it helps make um, what we are, right? And in fact, okay, a lot of hours, maybe even days, have gone by since that time. But you want to get back into music, right?
2: Yeah.
0: We've been talking something. to tone, right? Yeah. Well, so not we've back been into talking about do all...
2: something a little bit more. Uh, well,
0: us three are going to get together. I, and... I do
2: play drums in. in
0: uh, right, right, in but I mean, uh, creating some things. Yeah. I haven't got to play with you. I did a couple things with you. The, the Sickles and Hammers uh, song yeah, for fun. our band Could Be Your Life.
2: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, and so, but uh, just
0: recently, right? What's well, an instrumental? I know. Lots of, lots of hollering in the set. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was up at the Task practice pad. Taskmaster. <laughs> Taskmaster. But they've uh, Joe's been talking and Tone's in on it, too, and we're going to, Get a three-way going and make some uh, sounds.
2: And yeah, big boy. Tunage, <laughs> not like that.
0: <laughs> Tone lucky Pierre. No. Now we're gonna play a song that Tone picked here. Um, some bebop deluxe. I mean, we've already talked about Bill Nelson and stuff, but you really like this solo in this song.
1: Oh, I like this song. I like all this stuff. I picked this because I read somewhere he, he said this solo and here's his uh, one of his favorite solos, and it was supposedly dedicated to Jimi Hendrix. Mm. And that's why I picked this song. Who's it's eat? a good little song. It's kind of mellow, but it's got a good solo. You seen them live? I I remember right. seeing them with you. Blueaster Colt and Angel and Forum at the Forum at the Forum. Mm-hmm. I remember bebop and bebop that. Deluxe was the seconds
2: second bill. Yeah, second yeah.
1: Bill. I actually saw him. I think a couple more
0: times than you did. I saw him at the Civic.
2: Did you Did you see him at the Beverly Mike? When he I saw him solo? at
0: the Santa Monica Civic, and there was just three of them. They didn't have a keyboard player. I think it was Futurama. Futurama. Oh. That's right.
2: No, but. I, I saw him at the Beverly. It was like correct. a
0: half-hour version of uh, "No correct. Trains to Heaven,"
2: <laughs> and he was solo. It was on his solo when, when he went solo.
0: No, I never saw him after bebop, except with Tone at the uh, this Tower. Was, this yeah. was
2: even. And he actually played. played.
1: And at the Tower, he Get played. This, to he tapes. he played
0: to like backing tapes that he had made.
1: And he wouldn't play any any bebop deluxe songs. Everybody was yelling to play bebop deluxe songs, but he wouldn't play any. Was yeah, of,
0: but he was really good no, nature. No. He wasn't was Yeah. yeah.
1: People kept yelling to play Third Floor Heaven. And right? he kept
0: smiling. It looked like he flossed with a razor wire. And he had the bandana
1: thing going. <laughs> he had oh, he some, had some the, gaps the,
0: between the teeth. Oh, yeah. Was a, he wearing a bandana, he too? Had oh, he had a beret, a beret. He had a I beret on.
1: That. He had some custom guitar. And, a, and he was playing the tapes. Or pewter. I think yeah, it was computer.
0: digitized.
1: And, so, and I heard that's what he still does once in a while when he goes, you
0: know. Yeah, like I said, those two websites have all, an incredible amount of information. The man writes a, di- a daily diary. He's telling you what he's chowing and stuff. I mean, it's pretty in-depth.
2: Is he eating, like, putrefied meats and stuff? or?
0: No, he gets, like, he, he talks about his little journeys and, like, the restaurants he eats in.
2: Oh, infected pastrami. And stuff like that. <laughs> so I saw some guy in Ripley's, believe it or not, and he asked what he did. But anyways, no. it just reminded me of the infected pastrami thing, sorry.
0: No, but, uh, the food's not that unusual. It's like wherever he's going, he's, he has a Japanese wife now, and been married a couple of times. And he's uh like goes on little journeys with her and they eat at the he likes to go to the little local things. Not really the merch stuff and check out what the local flavor is and then check out the kind of chow for that and the kind of setting and, he used to have and he's a guy who's very aware, it seems. You know, he's got all his senses open. I mean, that's what his uh, journals read like. I mean, it's like, whoa, everything makes an impression on him. I think his book is called something: Hyperdreamer, yeah. Autobiography of a Hyperdreamer, because he was really into this guy, Jean Cocteau, a filmmaker, right? Right, yeah. Right. And the, the idea of the thing. dreams and art, he was very influenced by that. Even though, if you heard Bebop, especially at the time, it seemed like it was kind of coming out of glam. But I think a lot of glam people were artistically influenced oh, yeah. it wasn't yeah, yeah. i think it wasn't was just all dress. you know yeah. these people seem like kind of outrageous and i you know i know for sort of sure glamorous. a lot of the
1: roots of punk go into glam and glitter wasn't he kind of david bowie-esque if you look at the first yeah act. but
0: if you think about david bowie no, i meant the look oh yeah right? people used to say at the time it's david bowie playing lead guitar exactly
1: and he had this big fear yeah. of death. I read he was like but obsessed then, with death. And he but if you
0: read Bobby. about Bowie, he's very into uh, Lou Reed and Iggy Pop. Mm-hmm. So you know, one thing feeds another. It's all a big chain. Like John Coltrane said about music, it's a big reservoir.
1: And feeding everybody, or
0: like you were saying, somebody sounds like somebody else. You know, you're right. It's about like this. You know, and uh, it's traditions.
2: Well, don't some people say that all artists are thieves?
1: They steal. They use things from other it's people. Probably true in a way. I believe that actually, because
2: or they just uh, gr- gr- let it grow, you know. Well, even if you're a writer, you're Add using an extra a- mixed. Th- even if you're a writer,
0: you use an alphabet that everybody uses. Yeah.
2: It's the way you
0: use it. I think that's where the uh, personal thing comes in. Yeah, Andy Warhol, the most uh, notorious of people, would just appropriate. Here's a Brillo box. Here's yeah. a Soup can. But it's the way he presented it. You could tell it's Warhol. Yeah. See, well, that's the trick of I mean, the artists, a, I think.
2: Even, like, the spreading of pottery is, is, is a useful thing. I mean, it's, it's, it spreads from one area to another area, you know, and that's how all this...
0: Pollinate, sort of like bees. Right. They dig it because uh, makes you want to do it. it. Right. <laughs> so we're going to play some bebop, and then we're going to play some uh, Captain Beefheart, which we liked as young people, too. Who seemed, when punk came, like he had already been doing it for quite a while. Uh, Okay. What from Pedro Show. Of outtakes from late 60s. That's uh, Trust Us. I think take five. Uh, before that, we start off with the Tony selection, uh, Crying the Sky, Be About Deluxe from their um, third album Sunburst Finish. Yeah, Sunburst Finish. Um, yeah, it's trippy talking about the old days like that. But, like I said, myself, Joe, Tone, we're going to do some jams uh, coming up in the future now that I'm home. I'll talk about my tour more next hour. <clears throat> it's intense. In fact, last night, San Diego gig, I drove back so I could do the show with the guys today. And uh, I haven't gone. <laughs> but I'm in weird time because of the tour. But uh, very fortunate, you know, we're coming up on Brother Matt's spin cycle right now. And he's going to collaborate with Mr. Tony Flatt and Mr. Joe Boo. So uh, let me hand over the whaling to them. Cool. Welcome. December 12, 2004, it's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show. Watt from Pedro Show, that was Don Cherry, Petra's daddy, Charlie Hayden on the bass, Billy Higgins on the drums, that was a tune called Malkoon's off Brown Rice. We started off with a second chance to renew by 17 after, that was a band that opened for us on tour. I should tell you a little about my tour. I just did my 53rd tour. Um, was 65 gigs in 66 days, and then we did uh, two Cali ones, I guess you could call 66 and 67, uh, Echo Park in uh, San Diego last night. And Raul, you know, the drummer I got now, he's a young Pedro guy, 20 years younger than me, and he did really good. Had to teach him the piece in five weeks, and it was trippy music for him. He comes from hardcore and stuff, so it was kind of difficult, but he had good spirit and good attitude and charged hard and did well and a lot of the folks who've seen me in many different bands and over the years really dug him he brought a fresh thing to the thing so it was trippy right because i, I wrote the parts for jerry trebitich who couldn't go on tour i had the same organ player pete mazich but so i bring raul so in a way it was trippy because he had to learn another man's parts. so i'm going to write another album for them and from the ground up for raul cool. uh we were quite lucky with the weather Got only a couple days of rain the whole time. Only one day of snow. And this is the trip of it. We get it the last day of the tour. And it's in Cali. In fact, the tour's over. It's on the way home. It was in the desert between Blythe and Riverside. So we're very lucky with the weather. All the hurricanes missed at the beginning. The way I time them is clockwise. So I was up in the northwest when that was happening in Florida. So by the time I got to Florida... You can read all about it on the Hoot page, as we did Diaries, yeah, day by day blow. Yeah, he, he got a, like a cool, fresh spirit infused into to the whole thing you kind of catch, uh, get from uh, reading a diary. Yeah, well, I think it's the first time he ever wrote a diary. So, he's been on several tours before. It's strange about the hardcore scene, um, because punk, uh, some parts of it's gotten very commercial, so in some ways... It's returned to its roots. He's done tours where they've played nothing but houses. In fact, his house where he lives on 4th and Gaffey, bands from out of town play there. I mean, these kids, they do whole tours where they don't play a club. They're playing
1: houses like the old days. And yeah, Nathan, my son, he, yeah. he goes to several gigs, and he says, and he's played a bunch, and they, uh, he says there are houses, and they had... Have- Four or five bands will play there. House and, gigs. And it's house gigs, and they yeah. pay. Some dudes pay to get in and you get tickets, or whatever, and there'll be five or six bands will play. I, I was tripping on that. I d- like that idea, though. So you don't have to have a gatekeeper,
0: a middleman. You it's just mom. go and do it. It's, it was never supposed to be a style of music, really. That was because superficial uh, media trying to sensationalize, you know, spitting or whatever. And it was just a way of doing things where you took things into your own hands. And here, you know, almost 30 years after the case, it's still alive and vibrant. I can find a young man who has that fire. And it's not like he's being nostalgic or trying to be from another time. It's just the ethics of those things have traveled through the years and they're still relevant. There's always going to be MERS stuff. So the counter reaction is take things into your own hands, you know, do it. Find your own song, start your own band, this kind of thing. and. And that way I can never really see the idea going out of fashion. The style should be up to the people making the music anyway. If you fall for that kind of thing, labeling, it's right down the whole idea of genre and marketing and all this, and you're just marrying it, you know. So, uh, and probably in one person's life, he has all or she has all different ways of manifesting their expressions. So you might be in a salsa mode for a couple of years and then move over to a, a shred like your boys, right? Yeah, I, was, I was asking uh, both Joe and Tone uh, whether they listen to uh, That's Current because we spend a lot of the time in the show here talking about some old music and where we came from because I'm always getting asked about my old days. So that's why it's neat to have guys from my actual old days be able to talk about it. But you, you guys are aware of stuff. You, Tone's got two sons that are playing music, and they,
1: what, like the... Um, yeah, a lot of shred metal, I guess, well, death metal, whatever you want to call it. I guess a lot of these bands that are a lot of guitar influence, heavy drums. I'm not personally too into the scream-singing type of deal. Cookie that's what Monster. Like, yeah, it's, to me, that's kind of hardcore, but uh, that seems like what's out there today. And that's that, what or, they're digging, right? That's what they're into, A rap, what other kids are into. But what what's
0: that, neat about it is they're not just listeners, they're also playing yeah and Joe, you know some current bands. You've given me some stuff. Um, Explos-
2: Explosions in the Sky. They're, they're a good band. I think they're from Texas or something like that, or uh-huh. Midwest, but they're really good. Uh, they don't have a vocalist, but uh, they're, you know, they're very interesting. Um, then there's a Colombian um, band called Otros uh, Pilados. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I don't think they're still together. I think the, the vocalists like, left. Um, but they're really interesting. And then, of course, I like Radiohead. To me, I think... They're very interesting
0: I saw them last summer at Coachella, and it, you know, I didn't didn't know anything about them, but I've seen a lot of stuff written, uh, wrote up about them. And kind of, the first thing I thought of was a little bit was like, "Wish you were here." Well, <laughs> uh, Pink Floyd. Their music's simple, but it's a little complicated. bit. Well, it was so kind much, of spacey, it's got, though.
2: But it's, yeah, it's got like a lot of power to it, and um,
0: I you I know. could tell the band was a lot around the singer. He seemed like the one they were all keying on. Right. Um. Here's a band. We're going to play some music of this band. So, one neat thing about touring and stuff I get to check out, fortunately, I don't really get to see the opening bands because I got to con at my age, doing the driving stuff, I have to conk before I play. So, I never see the opening bands, which is really unfortunate. In the old days, you know, when I was playing with the Boone and even Firehose, I always watched the opening bands. As I got older, I just didn't have the energy, so I conked. Like last night, San Diego, we went on 11:30. After sound check, 7:30, I conked. I was out for four straight hours. Pete gets me up, you know. I'm like, whoa. I climb up on the stage, start the gig, you know. So I miss the bands. But what happens is, what's different nowadays than in the old days? It's very easy to record, huh? You know, we don't have to use that little button transport thing, you know, right? Never huddle around the little tape recorder, right? Almost anybody can make a CD now. So I get a lot of CDs from kids, young people making music. And so that's how I check out what's current. I wish I could see all the gigs, but if I did that, I would be in no shape to play, you know. And I know people, I can't come around the country too much, maybe a couple times the most a year, so... It's not like I'm all old and stuff. I'm just not as resilient, so I have to like kind of harness my energies more efficiently, like pulling them more. I don't know with you guys. I mean, you're not too much uh, further behind me. And uh, I think it's uh, eight days. I'm 47.
2: That's right,
0: Joe. 43. But July 20. Uh, 11th. 11. July 20. That's the moon. Right, nineteen
3: sixty
1: nine. Yeah, I'm forty five. But uh, April, April twenty third, William Shakespeare. Wow. He died on that. Willie Shakes.
2: Tom Quincy Adams here. Yeah. Feast of uh, Saint, uh, what's his name? Benedict.
1: Valerie Bertinelli. No. Oh wow.
2: Neil
1: Brenner. Van Halen.
0: Brenner. Yeah, birthdays are a trip. You know, know, for a long time I would not celebrate them. I still really don't. (laughs) It's weird this year. Almost every December I do a bunch of benefits and I didn't have time to organize them because I was gone so long on tour. So I feel kind of lame because I think it's important for me to do benefits so I give back stuff, you know. Wooten Center in Compton for the kids or the Women's, yeah, that's right. Last year for Brother Matt. Uh, the women's shelter here in Pedro. Toberman House. Some good stuff. Because, you know, I think with lawyers they call it pro bono, which in Latin means for good. And you, if you're doing base, you should donate a little bit, I think. It uh, just, just doesn't have to be lawyers. All of us in our gigs, we can do something to kind of tie the little uh, charity generousness it's it's trippy it has to be all around this month because it got so much marketing around this month but I still think it's good to help the fellow creatures you know because you know folks have helped us when I'm out on tour oh man you know sure I'm this independent guy in some people's minds you know a lot of people's minds and to some extent, that's kind of true, but here I got my two guys with me, right, Pete, Raul, very tight with me, or like in the old days with Georgie and D. Boone, I just come from a tradition of being really tight with the guys on the road, but then there's the folks in the town that come to see you play. Here, they're willing to come and check out what I'm going to play for them, you know, and I throw out some wild stuff, you know, and so they're very generous themselves, so It's a weird thing about, you know, we were boys, right? We did it because your mom wanted us to do it. And what Mm -hmm. a gift she gave us by doing that. But then after all the years, and you find these people, they want to, uh, in a way, nurture it. It's a a weird thing. And then (laughs) I'm meeting their kids, you know, right? They're having families themselves. They're growing up. It's just like this chain, like tone with your sons. See how music's a trippy thing? It's a dynamic thing. It's weird how it gets uh, twisted into some strange things. Ulterior motives or whatever. But at, a, at a essence, it is pretty... Uh, we were lucky to stumble onto it. And uh, I really didn't have it in my house, uh, like in the Boone house. You guys, not just listening, right? You wanted to act on it. Your mother was really intent on that with us. And then lucky people too to meet like Roy Mendez Lopez, right? Oh yeah. Roy Was not a commercial guy, right? Just play, play, right? Early experiences like that make a deep impression on you. <laughs> people are always asking me, "Why do you do what you do the way you do?" You know, and it's a collection of all these experiences. I don't think it's just a theory. I came up with that, You know, I'm traveling through life, and these things have happened to me, and they they're profound.
2: It's synchronistic is what you're saying. Yeah, uh, but I remember Roy. He lived lived in a Volkswagen.
0: I know, but he wife, was so child, committed to playing. Bug. He lived in a Volkswagen. Volkswagen he was kind of from hippie days, and but very independent, very
2: individualistic. He was a flamenco guitar player. That was his
0: incredible lifestyle. player.
2: That was his lifestyle. My he lived God. in God, Volkswagen with his wife and his baby.
1: Yeah, and his parents had money too.
2: Yeah, it. but he like left it. Right. He didn't want it. He yeah. loved art. He loved
0: music. Taught himself all that Vivaldi and stuff. He ended up building his own machines. And he built his own guitars. Made his own clothes, too. Own yeah, he was an incredible person. He
4: like these. Yeah. like this.
0: he goes, practice, practice. Practice, practice. He taught us to play with our fingers because he, he goes, you're going to lose picks. Right. You know, the whole thing with him was like, if your mind can find an excuse, it'll use it. So no, just clear it away. He's kind of had Buddha thinking and stuff. So everything is empty. And
2: stuff. Yeah, 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 I know.
0: Remember the glow on his nails yeah. And D. Boone did that? D. Boone got a flamenco guitar. D. Boone was very influenced by him too. Yeah. Uh, not to copy him or anything, but just profound. They,
2: remember they played at Old Town Mall a couple of times? Oh, yeah. Remember that he had him.
1: Area? Yeah, yeah. He had him. Uh, there was a cool guitar shop in that Old Town Mall. Do yeah. you ever think about it? They're the
2: ones that like, redid my brother's guitar. Do you ever think about Roy, though? What I happened, about to him time. Yeah, who knows? God,
0: what, what a talent! What an mm. amazing man and a unique person.
1: I think Roy knew a Peter Tork, right? Yeah, that was his buddy.
0: Yeah, well, Newman Long Beach.
1: Yeah, the monkeys. Yeah, he's a trippy guy. So,
0: collection of all these things, and so in the nowadays, what's interesting is that uh, oh, we, we're going to try to make some music together. Yeah, right. Joe was talking about he has ideas for songs, Tony. <laughs> right?
2: Yeah, sure.
0: Spiel, words. Spiel, words. Yeah. Rhythms, and then tone. Tone is a trip, you know. Right? All these years, all these guitars, never done a gig. Oh, no gigs. No wine before it's time, though. No,
1: no, it's it's coming. Well, the other the other business is almost I'm almost out of that one, so maybe we'll see what happens. Anyway, sorry about that. Yeah, so yeah that Tone
0: uh, fell in uh, his hip again. No I, no
1: I just bent too far and popped it out again. Yeah. It's the second time right? Yeah this year. Yeah. Yeah when you get a Artificial hips or whatever you got, you can't bend too far in certain angles. They snap out, and you got to go and have them reset the thing.
0: Oh yeah, that's so intense too. Yeah. So we so, talk was about totally that. Out
2: of the question the yeah. parties and mm-hmm. stuff.
1: Yeah. And parachuting, I can't do that anymore and stuff
0: like that. Jumping yeah, ex- off of
1: buildings and <clears throat> whatever.
0: That's the Gracie uh, family thing. What's yeah. that? Yeah, yeah extreme <laughs> eye gouge or grappling. Uh, but there are things we can do.
1: These so, oh, yeah. jams on the what? The Beatles show have been your public first
0: public unveilings? Then he's been on some records, like Mighty Feeble.
1: Yeah, a long time ago,
0: like, yeah, yeah. And some what, what you also do? the the Minutemen tribute one. Uh, our band could be your life with Joe. Yeah,
1: and I did some I did sickles and hammers stuff with Henry, but you know
0: that's right with Henry and, uh, Henry and Soma, and I've played uh, solms. Twenty some
1: songs on that. I just, just I just laid down tracks with lead stuff. I didn't any of this. Yeah, I, I put bass on some of them and. Yeah, Singing, did, yeah. So yeah, basically, yeah. I guess this is kind of a. I know Joe. Joe does church gigs, right? Yeah, sure. yeah. So Joe's been playing in front, of folks. Yep. And, uh, it's uh, a lot of fun, but it's cool. Hey, I appreciate it. It's, uh, Actually,
2: they want me to play at a retreat what? in January. Wow. Um, so, you know, some young young guys. It's a um, it's a youth retreat, but uh, I I told him I said you know hey you know I'm just old you know what the youth retreat why do you want me to play there and they go oh because you rock and so like i said okay whatever you know something like
0: that yeah at some point you know age has got to be just a circumstance
2: yeah That's you true. Know, well, wants, i don't feel old at all i feel like i'm like 18 uh
0: i was just reading this thing on george carlin right all the heavy stuff he's been through and he's not mellowed at all
2: yeah he's, i mean i i feel smarter you know or not smarter but I feel. Oh, like I you, like do you remember george
0: Car- I mean. george carlin i met at your pad you know
2: yeah. Oh no! Yeah, the yeah Class clown. clown. And oh yeah, we memorized all those. Yeah. Stories, yeah, all of them. Yeah. He's well, sort of a hero of, of mine too. So. They were.
0: Like his book. They were some he's wild some records. See, much.
2: so we had influences on us. Right now, if you get a chance to read his books, they're they're really good. I mean, they're good for like a good laugh, laugh or two. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. No, and he's got some wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's got some wisdom. Um. You got some Eno you want us to play, right?
1: Yeah. Is he still making music?
0: Well, let's. Uh,
2: yeah. Is he? I, you know, I don't know. I think that the last album. Well, I'm, I'm sure he's doing more. I, you know, it's, it's hard to keep up with like European artists for me. But uh, the last thing I think he did with vocals was an album called Wrong Way Up. I think that's what it was called. I'm not sure. It wasn't as good as like Taking Tiger Mountain, like which this cut is going to be off. Number thirteen. Number thirteen, and um,
0: take your tiger mount. We're gonna to listen to Third Uncle. Third Uncle, it's got a neat kind of line to start it off, right?
2: And then I think before and after science is like one of his greater works, but his ambient stuff is, you know, incredible.
0: I liked him in Roxy Music.
2: It was good. Roxy Music was good. Interesting
0: band. Yeah, really. Uh, for your pleasure, up to that. Okay, here it is. Wat for Pedro show.
4: for right Go to court. You will say these words. Platu, Verado, Nickto. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening.
0: What, from Pedro show? That was Johnny Fubar with, uh, Joe, you know how to say it better than me.
2: Klaatu, Verado, Nickto. <laughs> I guess.
0: Right. From uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still.
2: I believe so. That's the title of the movie. Yeah.
0: That's the magic word to make the robot stop.
2: And the robot's name is, I I think his name is Klaatu. Klaatu. And
0: before that, we had uh, Fancy Gap by Cantwell, Gomez, and Jordan, a band that opened up for uh, myself and the second man on Halloween in Chapel Hill. wore a rubber mask. Dress up. But uh, very hard to breathe. (laughs) But no
2: pumpkin this time? Yeah, no, no pumpkin. pumpkin. I wore,
0: uh, Raul bought me a little mask at a store, a little rubber mask. and uh, He had an old ma- lady mask, and Pete dressed as a zombie or something. And, uh, it was Sound a trippy musical. gig. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't see the neck at all, so I had to do the whole thing by feel. a tough gig um um, brain well i'm trying to think of uh uh, gigs that we went to
1: do you remember tone
0: remember the alice cooper one where we all
1: get in the car Yeah, like nine of us in your dad's car on the way home. That oldsmobile, two in the trunk.
2: Oh, we're talking. Welcome to my nightmare show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That was the day that my brother Jim came over and kicked my ass.
1: (laughs) The day before the gig? No,
2: the day of the gig. He tried to get my ticket off of me (laughs) because he was pissed off at me because I made my mom mad or something like that. It was a bad. Yeah, we had very traumatic.
1: Good season. We had, I think, one. uh, Remember stuffing all of
0: us in the oldsmobile though.
1: That
2: yeah. was
0: incredible.
2: Well, remember the Black Sabbath show?
1: Yeah, talked <laughs> we talked about were that puked.
2: Oh, you talked about that before on the, sh- on the show? Falling oh, yeah, man. Puked our brains out. Robert, Freddie, over at house, and these guys are, like, down in Schlitzmalt liquor, and they're telling me... I was a slow gin. No, no, they're telling me to drink this Schlitzmalt liquor, and they go, Joe, next time we go to a concert, you have to drink, you have to drink, <laughs> right? And we're just kids. I was just a kid, right? And so we we're get to vomiting. the show, and then Tony's brother... Pulls out the slow gin, right? Yeah, He's like, "Hey red. guys, let's just drink some slow gin." We're in the like the, the parking lot of the Long I Beach never Arena, even had that before. and these guys like drink this stuff. And so we go in, and then there's this uh, band called Ruby Star, the uh, the, the singer for Gray Ghost. Oh, she was in a band called Gray Ghost, Ark- but she was in Black Oak, Arkansas. The song "Jim Dandy to the Rescue," wow. she sing,
4: Go, Jim
1: Dandy, go! Well,
2: anyways. Her band opened up, and then, like, but these dudes, man, right when the lights went out, man, their heads went between their legs and, like, Ralphin. Oh, and no, then. We, we made it up to Sabbath, and I was no, we no, standing no, on the no, chair. No man. Everybody was somebody, out, man. And then the lights come on, come right? Out. The yeah. lights come on, and then the dude with the sawdust comes by. And, I, and, hot dog. and then there's, like, half a foot long hot dog <laughs> in the midst of this, like, Like,
0: somebody car. wasn't and chewing. And wasn't
2: chewed at all, man. <laughs> like, who did this, you know? <laughs> It was it was an intense show. They missed the whole thing. I mean the whole thing. I no, mean I every once in a while it. their heads would come up, but then man, they were like back down, like praying to like the sawdust god. man.
0: Okay, and with that, here's the uh, Necronauts on the Watt Sorry, from Pedro Mark. show. Sorry
2: to t-
0: What from Pedro's song, Pedro's show, that's the blues song from uh, the Necronauts, which opened up for uh, me on the Tucson gigs, one of the last gigs of the tour. Uh, met them after the gig. I would always try to say hi since I was going to see him play or stuff. You know, I'd always try to meet him at Soundcheck and <clears throat> a lot of... It's so much different, man, when we were young, if we would have been able to, like, do gigs like you can now. You know, like play houses or play clubs. That's just, that nut- wasn't in the mindset of those days. Well, I remember to in Chris bands Kilo, bands remember Chris Key up by Dodson? The Bright Orange you just yeah, yeah, the Bright Orange We just practice and practice and practice, And, like, I think we did two gigs one was on that trailer at the jetty where we got booed off and your pop actually saves our life by driving the truck, pickup truck right up to the stage through the crowd because they're throwing rocks at us and everything and we jump in the back and he drives off. And then another one was uh, Robbie Kiavi's birthday party. And that was it. Like two years of praxit. There just wasn't a really a circuit or a way to play. And... Uh, yeah, none of them are, all, are our own songs. There's BOC and Alice Cooper and Rolling Stones.
2: And, and Dale Caldwell used to try to hang, hang himself. himself yeah, and, then he and he almost died. Did. Actually, he actually did. He, ended he, up- act- he actually did do that. Yeah. That's what I heard. Sad. Speaking of Cooper, he pulled the real
0: he out. He had a big influence on D. Boone. Dale Coldwell. Yeah. He t- turned him on to The Doors. See, my ma liked the Doors, so I wasn't really that into Dale the Doors. Was yeah. Dale, Dale loved individual. the Doors. He was doors. a
2: true individual.
1: Speaking
2: oh, yeah. Him and Cooper, I remember like at Dodson junior high school on dress-up day, he dressed up like Alice Cooper. Yeah. Was, you're supposed to wear like a suit and everything. So what does he do? He wears Levi's, a T-shirt, a top hat, and Alice Cooper makeup. You know, the eyes. <laughs> in junior high school. Yeah. He was a
1: big Neil Young fan, too. He used to play on
0: this. Yeah, club. huge into Neil Young. Yeah. He, your sister lived in the apartment. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Moved party, in the yeah. same
1: apartment he lived in. A party in a but his ma was a nurse. Spinata wine drinking days. <laughs>
0: oh, I remember he had this white tablecloth, right?
2: The Total the purple. Yeah.
0: Spilled the wine on this big white tablecloth and just turned it completely purple.
2: What was this? He had something he always used to say. I forget what it was. It was like, not later days, or he used to say something. He had some kind of like, Thingy it was like his trademark phrase. I forget what it was. I can't remember it, man. I wish I did. Yeah. Homer Doge. That's what it was. Homer Doge. Homer Doge. That's what it was with Bobby Gagnon. the both of them were like friends. I know I remember. Homer Doge. That's what it was.
0: Homer Doge. Whatever that meant.
2: Whatever it meant, yeah. Hey Homer Doge. That's what they called each other, yeah. That's what his name was.
0: Yeah, he's a He's a trippy cat. Uh, yeah, he tried hanging himself like Alice Cooper, and he had the rope around the belt loop in his pants. Of course, his body weight just ripped it. He had to cut him down. Yeah, that wasn't too swift of a plan. Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> I told yeah. you, Dennis Dunningway came to my gig yeah. in New York City, the guy who played bass for the Alice hey, Al- well, Cooper band yeah but Joe we're at the end of the show I want to thank you very much for coming aboard and you two tone and we'll have you back and we'll be able to and brother Matt especially always you you know but we'll do it again where I can uh, get you more in the mix and you two tone and uh, I'm still perfecting this live uh, collaboro with the spin cycle so anyway we got a bunch of shows coming up now that I'm home and stuff Uh, Next week, yeah, I got the Pixies, so I won't be here. But the week after, we'll do another show. Uh, This is the December 12th edition, Wat Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.